Welcome to the 343 Ministries podcast, where we want to help you be the church right where you are. Whether at work or at home or with your friends or your families, we want to give you practical strategies that can help you build your communities in Christ wherever you are in life right now. So let's get started. All right. Welcome back to the 343 Ministries podcast. I'm Todd Baker, your host, and thrilled to be here um, during this special time of year, which is um, Holy Week, and want to let you know that we're going to be doing three podcasts this week in honor of Holy Week and, and to help you to think through kind of the events that lead up to Easter, which is this Sunday. And um, the question that I'm going to ask and, and really try to answer throughout these three different podcasts is, why follow a king who is going to die? Why would you follow a king who's going to die? And, and that's why I've entitled the, the whole series, The Time Came for the King to Die. Because that's really what we're talking about when we when we get to Easter, when we get to Good Friday, um, Jesus has willingly decided to go to the cross and to die for humanity. And being the Messiah, professing that he's the Messiah is not something that he's done up to this point in his ministry. If you reflect and look back at, I'm going to look at Matthew and Mark and the significant passages there that that help us to to see where uh, we are in the story as far as you know this time, not only time of year, but the season of of Easter of, of Lent is coming to an end, and that we'll celebrate um, you know with Easter Sunday in the in the resurrection. But I think it's important to to position our hearts and our minds for where we are this week. And so that's why I'm doing these these podcasts this week. So I hope you enjoy them. Um, I'm looking at, at Matthew. It's going to be starting in Matthew chapter 21. And the um, comparable section is in Mark. And that's going to start in chapter 11. And both of those sections start with what we call the triumphal entry. And that's what, if you went to a church service on Sunday... That was your Palm Sunday remembrance. That's this remembrance that Jesus enters Jerusalem for the first time as a king. And I want to highlight a couple of reasons as to why, you know, he is the king and he's presenting himself that way. Because prior to that, he was not. Remember, if you look back and you, and you look at passages prior to those chapters, Jesus is saying, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I know you know, but don't tell anybody yet because he was getting to this point where it would be an absolute offer of himself as the king. And I really think it does go back to this question. If you were a person there, why would you follow a king who kept saying, but I've got to die? I'm going to Jerusalem, to suffer and to die at the hands of the leaders. And I will rise again. And I think that's the answer. 
I think that's the answer just briefly is that the disciples, though they didn't understand the resurrection, they didn't know that Jesus was going to uh, to to actually die. You know, um, at least it doesn't say in the text that they knew that. Um, and their response after Jesus's death on the cross is one of of um, sadness, of despair. They go into hiding because uh, they were following him. And and as as we look at these passages leading up, you can begin to understand why they would have been so afraid. You know, because Jesus was absolutely confronting the authorities in Jerusalem, the leadership. And so the triumphal entry was on Monday. If you think about it that way, this just reflecting that today is Wednesday. Um, on Monday would have actually been this triumphal entry, though we celebrate it on Palm Sunday. And so Jesus comes in in, in Matthew uh, chapter 21, and it says in verse 1, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, and he gives them instructions to go down and find a colt. It's a donkey, he says. Once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, you untie them and bring them to me. So he brings a young donkey, and it says that this was to fulfill the prophecy that is in Zechariah 9.9. You, you get this specific understanding that Jesus, number one, I think, was wanting to fulfill every detail of Old Testament prophecy. He was wanting the people to see that he was actually coming to them as their king by, by what Scripture had said hundreds of of years before. In Matthew and in Mark, they quote um, Zechariah 9.9 to connect this prophecy with what Jesus was doing in detail. It says, say to the daughter of Zion. Now, Zion was interchangeable with Jerusalem. The place of Zion was more of a heavenly kingdom of God, that, that there was always the hope in, um, in, the, in Jewish people's minds that Zion was the holy city the, the destination of where God lived. And it's this idea that the daughter of Zion say to them, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus specifically tells his disciples, go down, um, gives them instructions, and, and they do it. So that's number one. That's how we know that Jesus was presenting himself as a king. Um, number two is that the people, they recognized that because just, just, just after this, when Jesus walks in, they start shouting, Hosanna, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They shout, Son of David, and they, and they shout phrases that recognize Jesus as a king because the Son of David was the kingly role of Messiah. And so they were recognizing that he was the king. What, what happened was Jesus was offering self, himself as the king, but and you get a glimpse of this in verses 10 and 11, that, that the people of Jerusalem were not going to accept him wholeheartedly as a national response to be their Messiah and to be their king. In fact, just want to compare it for a second. You just imagine, Jesus has been in Galilee, right? That's where most of his ministry happens, um, is in Galilee, and the, and the the men who were his disciples were all from 
Galilee or, or around that area. And so they, the people in Jerusalem, it's, it's like people in Galilee were, were foreigners to the people in Jerusalem. Yeah, they lived in Israel, but that's like saying, you know, those people that live way up uh, in Clayton, Georgia, or those people who live way up in Blairsville, they're coming down to Atlanta and they're saying, we've got a new mayor and this mayor is going to set things right, going to make things what they need to be in Atlanta. And, and uh, in, in that case, you can relate maybe to how the people in Jerusalem would have responded. They, they knew about Jesus. They had heard about him. Of course, he had, he had come to Jerusalem. But again, he was not presenting himself as a king and as a Messiah then. And there were lots of questions about who he was. And you get their, the people in Jerusalem's response uh, in verses 10 and 11 of Matthew 21, where it says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so what you're getting is this, a Jewish king from Galilee? Good grief. What is going on? And and honestly, in their minds would have been, what is Rome going to think about this? Because you have to remember, there was distress. Uh, Rome was was absolutely in charge of things in in as far as government went, punishment, uh, laws, rules, regulations. Um, Herod the Herods had been in charge, but at this time there was not a Herodian king. Um, there was not that presence. And so all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, you're coming in. We're going to get in trouble. All right. This is our town. Y'all front way up in the country. You don't have any say over what's going on. It doesn't matter to us who you're trying to present, who this king is. Who is this guy? And so that was really the, the popular disbelief in Jesus. Now, not everybody was in that situation. Of course, there were individuals who accepted Jesus, who, who were Pharisees, uh, who were part of the leadership. But as far as a national recognition and acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah, that was not happening in this, this uh, presentation was not something that that just the leadership were beginning to were rejecting, but that the people in general of Jerusalem were saying, "I don't know about this. I mean, we've we've got a pretty good life here. You know, we we've we've got we've got some property. We we have some um, you know respect in the community. We're doing some good things here. I mean, what are you doing? Why why are you coming in?" You know, proclaiming all of this and asking us to join with you. Um, because this was an invitation. This was an invitation that, that Jesus was offering himself again as the king. And so all of that happened on Monday. And so the next day was Tuesday. And, and so what Jesus had done was he left, he came in his triumphal entry on Monday. In fact, in Mark, it says at the end of Monday, it says Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12 or with the 12 disciples. The next day, they come back in um, 
to to Jerusalem, there's this this sign of the the fig tree which is not providing fruit that I think Jesus uses as a teaching moment for his disciples to say new things are happening a new a new a new movement that God is doing is is happening and I want you to continue to be aware of it um, and then he goes in and he uh, cleanses the temple or clears the temple. Um, from what we all hear about are the money changers and the tables where they were selling um, different things for, for people who didn't live in Jerusalem would have to travel. And it, again, it's a sign that he was taking his place as, as the king. He was, he was absolutely saying this is, uh, in fact, it says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And so that was the end of Tuesday. Now on Wednesday, which is today, Think about this, and in, uh, in Mark, Mark explains that that the the fig tree that Jesus had cursed was now to wither. It was it, there's deeper meaning here, but but what I want to focus on is what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. And it says in verse twenty, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus said to them, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If someone says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. For this reason I tell you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your sins. And so I think the important thing to think about in, in the, the fig tree withering is that Jesus' point was to keep trusting in God, that though it will seem impossible to keep trusting in a king who would die, I want you to keep trusting. And that makes me think of what, the waiting period must have been like for all of his disciples and followers. At the end of the day on Friday, all through Saturday, until Easter morning on Sunday, that there's this waiting, there's this anguish, there's this uncertainty that all of us understand. Whether in big things or small things, we all have things that we're waiting and hope will happen in our lives. And so it, it, it helps us to put things in perspective when we have to wait. And in our society that gets things in a moment's notice or within seconds when you place an order um, online and people deliver things to your door, there's this sense that we don't really have to wait on things. And when we're in a position where we have to wait, 
for a diagnosis, um, for an answer to what school do you get into, um, for is the job going to come through, is the house, and we're going to get the house. Um, having to wait is something that's difficult for everyone. And what Jesus was reminding his disciples here is to have faith in God, he says in, in verse 22. And he says, the impossible can be accomplished through me. And that God is this source, this huge source of power that in, in figurative language, moving a mountain which seems absolutely impossible to us, is something that God can accomplish when we come to him and we ask him because each of us have different ideas of what a mountain is in our lives. Each of us struggles with different things. And so this was an encouragement to keep looking to God, even in the darkest of times, even in the waiting um, and especially in the uncertainty. And that if we begin to position ourselves that way, then we will start to understand what his will is. Because that's, that's where Jesus was, I think, leading the disciples was to say, look, it's, yeah, I want you to pray, but I want you to understand that when you continue to pray, when you continue to look to God, that's when you will find yourself in his will because Jesus had to get to that point too. I think that's why he says, look, I don't want this cup. You know, we're going to get to Good Friday in our in, in my thoughts and, and in this podcast and, and realize that Jesus said, I don't want this cup. I don't I don't want this. But he surrendered and submitted to God, his Father, and said, but it's not my will. It's not my human will. It's your will, Father. It's your divine will that I want. Because that's the right place to be. That's the good place. Your goodness is in your will. You want the best for me and my life and the people in my life in this world. And I think for him to open the disciples' eyes to this concept of prayer is, is, is really something to pause and to think about. And so at the beginning of Wednesday, is, that's what Jesus does. And I think that the biggest challenge we all face is this. Is that submitting to God's authority is not a natural disposition that we have. But it's the one that will bring you life. It's the one that will bring you hope. It's the one that will bring you direction. It's the one that will bring you satisfaction. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, and I'm not him. I have come 
that you may have life and have it to the full. And when we have the courage to submit to God's authority in our life, He gives us this new path, this new path of responsibility and of privilege to tell other people about His kingdom, to show them that He has something great for their life and that there's this, there's this new found direction and purpose when you realize that. That it's not just about doing a job and showing up, but there's a why behind it. There's a reason you have people in your life. There's a reason you have, um, God has positioned you to connect with certain people, people that I can't connect with, but that by being inspired, you can. And you can be in a place where you're inspiring them to live the life that God wants them to live. And so as you reflect on this Holy Week and you stop even for a few minutes to listen to this message and to consider this question. Why are you following a king who died? Why do you keep following a king who died? And it's because on Sunday, he rose again. And they said, he is alive. And he conquered death. But that's coming. That's coming. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope that you're having a great week. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to our message for Thursday, which is tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that and hope you have a good rest of the day. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the 343 Ministries podcast. As always, you can donate to our ministry at 343ministries.com slash give. 343 is a 501c3 registered nonprofit organization. Also, subscribe to our monthly devotional email for actionable strategies on how to keep building up the community where you live in Christ. And for more ideas and tips, check out our Instagram at Todd and Meredith Baker.